1: Good afternoon and thanks for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference. I'm Kimberly Shirk, I'll be your moderator for today's show and I'm joined by co-author Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage is actually having some fun prepping for prom today, I believe.
2: Yeah, not her prom. Her Her kid's prom. I should have clarified.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Larry. Larry's our expert on management techniques, the research behind them, and um, why effectively implementing them can make a difference. So today's topic for discussion is Cultivate a Great Relationship with Your Boss. And it's described in Chapter 11 of Managing to Make a Difference. I think this is going to be a really fun topic to discuss today, Larry. It really goes back to this consistent theme that you've heard kind of repeated on our podcast almost weekly. And that's like building trust and relationships and how important that is. So, Larry, um, I know you and I were talking and kind of giggling a little bit about a joke that you shared. I wondered if you wanted to kick us off with that.
2: Yes, I'm happy to kick it off. Uh, this joke is also a tribute to my my best friend of more than 30 years, Pat Meany, who passed away last year. Pat, was a senior executive with Ritz Carlton, and he had a terrific sense of humor. One of the things he used to do was write top 10 lists a la David Letterman. And he once wrote a top 10 list relevant to this broadcast of cultivating a great relationship with your boss. He wrote a top 10 list of the 10 best kiss up phrases of all time. And I I wish I remembered them all but I only remembered the number one kiss-up phrase. So all you listeners, this is it, the very best kiss-up phrase of all time. Boss, now I know how the disciples must have felt. (laughs) So we don't recommend this approach to cultivating. uh, Managing up is an important topic. Uh, It's one of the most important relationships we have in our lives, and certainly it's uh, important to do it and do it properly. So we don't re- recommend kissing up to your boss. There are many ways to cultivate a great relationship with your boss. And that's the way to do upline management. And we have two guests with us today, uh, Mark Birchie and Libby Farman. Libby is the chief consulting officer for the company uh, I work for, Talent Plus, And Mark Birchie is a senior consultant and leadership consultant for Talent Plus, And they are also both experts on management and leadership. So we're pleased to have them with us today to talk about their relationships with their bosses and with each other.
1: Yeah, thanks for joining us today, guys.
2: My pleasure.
3: pleasure. Thank you for having us.
1: Yeah, you bet. Uh, so Mark, you and I had an opportunity to kind of chat a little bit before this podcast and you were sharing a little bit of a story, I believe, about your son. Do you want to go ahead and kick us off with that?
4: Right. Uh, I think the story is relevant to where we're heading today on our show. Uh, my son is very young. He's about 29 and he's in the FAA and he's a supervisor of older uh, air traffic controllers. And it creates a very interesting dynamic. And both parties have to be right, and for, for that to work, um, I think. I think what I what what I what's unique about the relationship uh, we're going to speak about with Libby is um, I don't know if you've seen that movie Intern with Robert De Niro, but the generational difference between Libby and myself is a parallel with that movie where Robert De Niro comes in as an intern. The only difference is I've been here twenty years. I'm not quite an intern. <laughs> and,
2: and you're so much more handsome than oh, Robert thank, De Niro. Thank you. <laughs>
4: Um, So uh, if you think about uh, those relationships, how it can be difficult for uh, an older person to kind of succumb to the younger talent that that rises very quickly, Um, there has to be uh, openness on both sides. Um, You know, a lot of times we think about how unfair it is when a boss um, doesn't give time uh, or space to one of their direct reports. Uh, and I I hear that often that somebody doesn't get the opportunity to show their stuff or actually contribute to the team because the leader isn't engaged with them. Well, I think it's also reversed that if an older leader, it doesn't even matter if they're older, um, but if they have a younger leader uh, leading them, I think it's incumbent upon them to give that leader a chance and not to be uh, prejudicial on because they're young And what we do at Talent Plus, of course, is we study talent. And uh, I came from the Navy, I was there 22 years, and uh, I had to walk into situations. I was an ensign, I I think I barely shaved at that point. And and, uh, I had guys uh, working for me, uh, chief petty officers, uh, uh, the the old man in the sea kind of uh, approach they had. And uh, I was was, uh, in charge of them, and it was very uh, awkward at times uh, because I didn't have the expertise, Uh, hopefully I had the talent, and I certainly didn't have the age. And I think those three components are really important for a leader to be successful. They have to be expert at something to get up uh, to that level. It's credibility, but they have to have high talent. And uh, I think there's too much emphasis on age. So um, I've said a lot here, I'll let uh, Libby break in here and see what your comments are.
3: Yeah, I think when Mark and I first started our relationship working together, when I was his leader it definitely was a transition because I didn't come from the outside. I was a known quantity. I was actually on the team that you were on and I was much less experienced than he was as well. And so I think a lot of people when they start leading for the first time, or even if it's your second or third time, there's this thought process around I'm the leader. I also need to be able to teach people things. I need to be the expert so I can show everybody how to do things and I wasn't an expert with regards to Mark. There was a lot of things that he still was teaching me on a daily basis. And so I think one of the one of the things that made us very successful as a partnership that's going on a number of years now really lies in Mark's openness towards me. I think that I really felt from the beginning, and a lot of it is a feeling, you know, your attitudes toward people really come off in a feeling, not so much in words, but I just really felt that this guy was going to give me a chance and that he was going to do his utmost to help me succeed so that he had a clear conscience in the endeavor. And I just really felt from the very beginning, a lot of acceptance and, you know, I'm here to help. Let's do some cool things together that really set the stage for a lot of positive
2: interactions in the future. So what I'm hearing at the theme and what you've both said is give your boss a chance. If you want to develop a great relationship with anybody, we're focusing on developing a great relationship with your boss. But if you want to develop a relationship with anybody, give them a chance. Don't prejudge the person and act out of that prejudgment. You, that's what you want, as soon as you get a new boss tomorrow and you've had no say in who becomes your boss. And this happens to all of us during our career from time to time. What do you want your boss to do? You want your boss to give you a chance. You don't want your boss to prejudge you based on your age or your appearance or any of those, your gender. You don't want any of that. What you want is a chance and your boss Wants the same thing. So, the first thing we want to say here is give your boss a chance with a real open mind.
1: You know, when I um, think about what you guys were talking about, uh, what immediately comes to mind is like, what are the practical, tactical ways you began to build that relationship? Because, um, you know, in a work setting, when you walk in the door, not necessarily you're your um, activities don't don't necessarily necessitate that you are spending time together. So it's actually a tactical decision that you have to make to spend time together. So how did you guys go about that?
4: Well, we had an advantage, uh, as Libby mentioned. Uh, We worked together uh, when she started uh, working in the realm of leadership consulting. And we were uh, working with a a large client in the Lincoln area. And uh, Libby uh, jumped into to help out with that. And then uh, I thought she was so good in the initial uh, observation of what she was doing. I, I set up for her to give feedback to the senior leaders of the organization without consulting her, which is my type of leadership, which is <laughs> maybe too fast at times. And although she kind of took a step back, she also leaned forward and uh, the result was phenomenal. And then uh, later on, her first experience in New York City uh, with one of the, the most difficult clients that I've ever encountered in 20 years. We didn't know what, what we're walking into, but uh, Libby was there for her first exposure to a client. And I I could write a book on that experience. It'd be very interesting. But the way uh, Libby was composed and, and all that, everything that came with that was very evident. So I had this pattern of understanding about her that um, she was really uh, well thought out and had a lot of talent. Uh, I assumed that, but she uh, demonstrated. So her credibility showed to me very early. And then uh, when she started taking uh, the more junior leadership roles in our our area, uh, the leadership consultancy, uh, it became evident how uh, she could build a relationship with people and put the right people in the right seats. Uh, like Jim Collins' book, you have to get the right people off the bus, the right people people on the bus and the right people in the right seats. She's like a chess master and and I've never seen in my life anyone do it better. Uh, It's just incredible. So those types of advantages, um, although I think I would've walked in, I hope, with the level of openness we've been talking about, even without those um, observations, uh, it's just enormous the way she carries herself and the way she makes time for people and builds relationships.
3: I would say one of the things that I think that Mark and I did in the beginning that is somewhat tactical is we both operated with a lot of transparency, um, which helped to build a lot of trust. You know, Mark and I haven't just had, we've had a lot of laughs over the years. I've laughed more with Mark than I've laughed with a lot of people in my Um, entire life, but we've had a lot of difficult conversations as well, just in the nature of consulting and how we go about working with clients and different, you know, team configurations. And I think a huge part of it was that we're both able to talk straight to each other and to have the conversations we need to have, but to know ultimately we really care about each other a lot and that our relationship has transcended a professional relationship, and we're friends, and we care about each other, and we want to get the work done.
2: And and that genuine caring is a fundamental part of any relationship. So uh, one of the things I want to mention as we move toward our break here is in this chapter on cultivating a great relationship with your boss, Dr. Turnage and I lay out 10 guidelines. And so When we come back, I want to put forth these guidelines and engage in conversation with Libby and Mark to get their thoughts on these guidelines and not only how it might uh, reflect their relationship, but in a broader sense, uh, the conversation about the the wisdom and application of these guidelines.
1: Absolutely. We are going to take a quick break. But before we go, I do want to mention that we have our website up and live, and we hope that you go and visit it. It's managed to make a You can see author profiles, you can schedule them for speakers, you can buy the books there. So we're hoping that the tactical things you take away from this podcast, inspire you to then purchase the book, and even purchase them for your team there for the teammates that you manage. Because I think, um, the nuggets that you find in this book are priceless in terms of developing those relationships. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back.
5: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here voice America business network Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values.
0: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN.
5: We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. VoiceAmerica Business Network.
1: Welcome back and thanks for joining us today for Managing to Make a Difference. We've been talking about Chapter 11 in the book Managing to Make a Difference and it's all about cultivating a good relationship with your boss. So this is just one of the chapters from this soon-to-be-released book. In fact, we're really um, coming up on the official release date here, which is really exciting. But you can pre-order your copies today on barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com for yourself or for your entire management team. So, um, we're excited about that. And we've been talking about that cultivating relationships. And Larry, before the break, you mentioned you have just a top 10 list of your own there um, in terms of lessons. So I think we should jump right into that.
2: Yeah, this is a top 10 list, but not, not a joke. So <laughs> number one, accept your boss as he or she is. Don't try to change that person. There, you know, Nobody's perfect. There's stuff about your spouse that annoys you. There's stuff about your kids that annoy you. There's stuff about your best friend that annoys you. But nevertheless, you accept them as they are. And we've talked about this with relationship, with with relation to the people who report to you. But now we want you to apply the same principle to your boss. If you want to be effective at managing up and cultivating a great relationship, you have to honor who that person is and accept them with all their flaws and quit asking him to change. So I know that Mark and Libby have given this same piece of advice to quite a large number of people when they're doing executive coaching. So, uh, Mark, what do you have to say about this? I think it's
4: extremely important. Um, just repeat the last part again, Larry. I just want to think this over before I, I launch into a response.
2: Well, don't try and change this person. Yeah. Accept this person as they are. That's one of the most important things anybody can do to cultivate a great relationship, whether it's your boss or anybody else.
4: Yeah, I think it's really important to, to walk into a new relationship with a boss. Um, we talked about without preconception. Uh, and also the other word that comes up in my mind uh, that's powerful is uh, listening to the boss. Uh, not trying to scrutinize the boss, but to learn listen and hear the boss because uh, if you don't you're not really connecting with that individual so it's really easy for a direct report uh, to listen uh, to the people who report to them but we have to flip this around too to be effective in any organization it's a three-dimensional strategy and um, we're talking about today managing up Uh, if you don't listen to your boss it's the first step to an in-depth understanding of that person Otherwise, the preconceptions can walk in and step over the relationship, and take a long time to repair that.
2: Libby, what are your thoughts about this this first point of accepting the, your boss for who he or she is, and not trying to change them?
3: I mean, I think it's a it's a great point, and one of the reasons I like it is because I believe it's universal beyond the relationship that you you have with with your own boss. So I think about you know, the leader I have today, my boss. um, And how you do, you try to accept um, that individual for who they are and what they bring to the table. Everybody has their aces and spaces. And I think just as you want to be appreciated for what you bring to the table, you have to bring that same level of appreciation um, to the person that you work for. And I think that And then you also need to do that for the people that work for you. And I think that creates a very balanced relationship where you're trying to bring out the best in each other and you're not banging your head against a brick wall, hoping that he or she is going to change. And, you know, if they have stripes, they're going to have polka dots in the future or whatever it is. You know, at Talent Plus, I mean, we do believe that people have pretty innate characteristics and that philosophy of relax and breathe and let that person be who they need to be, I think just extends a lot of grace into the interactions
2: you have with others. Too often, people say, how do I get my boss to change? I wish my boss would change. You know what? For all of our listeners, the likelihood that that is going to happen is very close to zero. It's a bad bet. Accept your boss as he or she is, and then figure out if that's the way things are going to be What can I do in spite of this to cultivate a good relationship? The next principle I'd like to talk about, I want to give credit to one of my former bosses and mentors, uh, a gentleman by the name of Siggy Brower. He taught this to a lot of us and it has served us all well. It's very simple. Make your boss's priorities your own and Mark Birchie earlier was talking about the important of listening to your boss. If you don't listen to your boss, you're not going to know what your boss's priorities really are. And if you're not sure what the priorities are, you should ask for clarity. But make your boss's priorities your own. Mark, when when you were in the service, how important was that?
4: There was nothing more important. Uh, it was very, author- uh, I guess, authoritarian and you can question your boss, but there was a definite limit uh, to the degree you go. And I think that thrives even in a matrix organization where you have a leader. Um, You probably have only so far you can go, but it's much further uh, than it is in the government or military. Uh, But the thing that uh, sticks out in my mind, Larry, uh, when you speak about this, is uh, the, the importance of gaining alignment. So that's the key word that pops in my mind is, Alignment works in multiple directions and how can a leader be aligned with me if I'm not aligned with a leader? There has to be a, an opportunity to object. And if you have the relationship and uh, it's a strong relationship, that objection is easily received and understood by the other party. Uh, and if we don't have a relationship, we walked in and bruised a relationship because, for example, the, the boss is much younger than you, uh, you're not going to have that relationship to object that well. Uh, so, the, the key word I think about is alignment, and uh, I like what Libby said, that word grace. It, it, they have a strong relationship. Uh, the, the word grace is powerful, uh, I didn't think of that before, that was a good idea, Libby.
2: Libby, do you have anything to uh, to know, add to this conversation on, on uh, making your boss's priorities your own? Well,
3: I mean, I'll just make a brief comment, but you know, Mark, you talked about alignment, and I was thinking about the word harmony. And ultimately, in organizations, you want there to be a lot of harmony and energy around accomplishing what the organization has set out to accomplish. And so as you think about goals and objectives being established and everyone's role in accomplishing that as you continue to align yourself to your leader and what they're trying to accomplish, I think it just creates a lot more... Harmony And that also requires self-sacrifice because everybody's an individual. If you're a leader, you still have a leader. And that at times means that you can't do the things that you want to do at that very instant. And so you have to, there's a lot of give and take, um, but I do think it creates more natural harmony in an organization.
2: One thing I'd like to add is on this topic of making a boss's priorities your own, it's how you add value. And you may think you're helping your boss by doing X, Y, and Z. But if your boss's priorities are A, B, and C, your boss may not perceive that you're adding a lot of value by focusing on other things. Value, I've got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, value is in the eye of the beholder. You know this with customers. Sometimes we know things very clearly with customers. You want to know what your customer's priorities are. You want to make those priorities your own. Somehow people get into a workplace relationship and they forget these things and they, they, they don't see it as clearly. So when you're making your boss's priorities your own, what, are you, what you're doing is you're adding value as your boss sees value, just in the same way you would with a customer. So the more clarity you have about your boss's expectations, the easier it will be. And here's an exercise you can try, and I hope some of you try it. Sit down with your boss and say, I'd like you, without discussion, I'd like you to write down on a piece of paper what your expectations are of me. And then while your boss is doing that, you write down what you think your boss is going to write down. So you write out your bo- what you think your boss's expectations are. I have done this with a number of bosses and direct reports, and it is surprising how little alignment there often is when people write these things down. It's a, it's a simple exercise, but man, it can serve as a wake-up call.
1: So the question then becomes, if it's a wake-up call and they're diametrically opposed, how do you come back to a consensus? Do you just throw out your own list if you're reporting to your leader and you just uh, assume theirs or what's the answer?
2: I'll tell you what, the first thing I would do is assume that it's my job to get my boss's list done. I, I, I mentioned my best friend, Pat Meany, who wrote those top 10 lists. At one point in his career, he was a general manager of a luxury hotel and brilliant leader, brilliant general manager. And he had an owner, that hotel, who was kind of nuts up. And, and he called me up one day and he, he was complaining uh, to me about the, his, his boss's expectations. And when he got done with the, the complaining, he said, Larry, I have two lists. One is the list of things I know is important that I need to get done to make this business hum, And the other thing is, is the list that my boss wants done and i got to get both lists done. You don't have to sacrifice that. Your job is to figure out how to satisfy your boss and get the do- things done that you know are important for you to execute with excellence, whatever your set of responsibilities are. Mm-hmm. And And so you don't have to choose. You really don't.
1: Very interesting. We recognize fully here that even though we have lots of burning questions for one another, you may have a burning question for us. And so we want to invite you to go ahead and submit those questions. All you have to do is click that email host button that's just above the podcast description. And we're going to work those topics into our upcoming podcast. So we hope that you'll take advantage of that. For right now, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to talk a little bit more about cultivating a great relationship with your boss.
5: comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter. And people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values.
1: Welcome back today to Managing to Make a Difference. We're talking about a topic that you can find in Chapter 11 of the book, Managing to Make a Difference. This chapter is entitled Cultivate Good Relationships with Your Boss. And it's just one of the chapters in this soon-to-be-released book. We hope that you take advantage of checking it out and purchasing a copy of your own. Um, you know, we can only cover so many topics during this podcast Um finite time that we have together. But there's, there's just a wealth of knowledge in here that Larry and Kim have provided. So we hope we check, you check that out on your own. So we're kind of going through a list, top 10 list of cultivating a relationship, a good relationship with your boss. Larry, what's the next number that's up?
2: Well, the next one I want to discuss is demonstrate fierce loyalty and unmitigated trust. And there's some unpacking to do about this. So first, Make sure your boss knows that you seek his or her greatest good. Keep your boss well informed. Don't hide information. Be willing to ask tough questions and share things that are true, even if the boss doesn't want to hear them. I've been with Mark Birchie when he's done this with clients, and he has a wonderful lead-in phrase. He starts by saying, this might hurt your ears, and then you know. This text message is going to possibly be difficult to hear. But nevertheless, you say those things. When you really care about somebody and when you're really trying to help, you say things even if the boss might not want to hear them. When you disagree with decisions, do it in private. Whatever the decision is, support it in public, whether or not you agree. Remember, you might be wrong no matter how vehemently you believe that you're correct, your psychological belief that you're correct does not necessarily make the world conform to it. So no matter how strongly you believe something, just remind yourself, have a little humility. You might be wrong. Don't speak negatively about your boss to other people. That is blatantly disloyal. If you're going to meet with your boss's boss, say so before you do it. And if that person, your boss's boss calls you into a meeting unexpectedly, let your boss know about it as soon as possible. Um, So what do you all think about that?
4: Well, I think of uh, all the change that's occurred in our group, uh, our team, Libby's team, uh, over the probably past two years. And as uh, Libby was uh, moving toward uh, higher leadership positions in in the company, I caught our chairman and co-chairman and owner, co-owner in the parking lot. And he doesn't have Uh, The close relationship uh, with Libby, I don't think, uh, I had a a huge advantage. I worked with Libby at that point, probably for three or four years. And I knew that somebody was probably making decisions on who's the next leaders uh, beyond where Libby was going to be. And I I, I shared with him, I said, hey, his name's Doug. Doug, I just want to let you know how great it is working for Libby. I see great things on the horizon. Uh, I I didn't do that. I don't think Libby even knows I did that. But also, sometimes there's chatter, there, there always is chatter in the uh, organiza- any organization about what's going on. And when negative things would come up about resistance to change, because Libby is a true change agent, uh, they were personalizing things, uh, I would take the other side of the coin. And uh, I think those types of things are important. We don't have, I don't think we have direct confrontation since we've been working together. I believe we philosophically we, we mentioned it to each other. We we were on the same page. Um, but I think if Libby did something that was outlandish, I think she'd expect me uh, to do it. And since we have such a great relationship, I don't think it'd be uh, that big of a deal.
3: Yeah, I think, I think it's a, a good point. One of the things that is really important when you're a leader too is that, you know, all of these things are great tips, but it's not going to truly be effective unless it goes both ways. So those of you listening in today that manage, You know, you have to do the same thing. If you're talking negatively about your employees or the people who work for you and you aren't trusting them, they're going to feel that. They're going to feel that it's not a two-way street and you only put forth so much energy and passion working for somebody when you just get the feeling they don't really care a lot about you or don't have your own interests at heart. So I know our topic is more about managing up, but I still have to kind of put out there that... All of these tips and tricks are very tried and true, and they work best when both parties exhibit them.
2: Thank you. The the next one I want to talk about is really easy to do, and it says ask for advice and guidance. If you want somebody to like you, believe it or not, one of the best ways to get somebody to like you is to ask them for help. And it shows a great deal of respect for your boss's Experience and knowledge and talent to go to that person and ask for advice, ask for guidance. And of course, we always all want to say, bring a solution, just don't bring a problem. That's fine. But you can bring a possible solution and still ask for advice. You can say, hey, here's my situation. I'm thinking of doing this. Can you give me any advice? And when you do this with your boss, I promise you, your relationship will get better. Does anything come to mind for either of you, Mark or Libby, about the time when you might have done that?
4: Well, I think of the term reciprocity and it kind of flows with what we discussed earlier that uh, we have to be in flow together, that um, we have to be able to question each other uh, up and down. So uh, I believe uh, if we have a disagreement, uh, that will move uphill and I, I seek Libby's advice routinely from small matters to big matters. Um, And I know when she comes down to my office and she'll sometimes close the door, sometimes it's open, but um, she'll say, hey Mark, what do you think about this? I have maybe very little or nothing to do with the topic, but she seeks my advice because I've been around a little bit and uh, that's to me, uh, it's like getting a paycheck when uh, you're working for someone that respects your opinion to that degree.
3: I think one of the things that's helpful too when you're thinking about getting advice from your boss is you know study your leader. Think about the things that he or she does with excellence. And when you go to them, really try to think about solutions and ideas that are in their lane of expertise. Because there's nothing worse than going and asking somebody for advice about something that they don't do very well and then you don't ever take their advice. And so really think about what do they do well? Is this the right person to go and approach and then to really reflect on that and to take it seriously.
1: I think it's um, interesting as you bring that up, uh, something that kind of fell in the back of my head and just to play devil's advocate for a minute. I remember uh, many, many years ago uh, when I had, um, I had a boss that I reported to and I just, I struggled because um, the gentleman didn't have a whole lot of personal integrity and it wasn't someone I wanted to cultivate a good relationship with. I don't know what's your advice in that? I think, I think probably a lot of our listeners find themselves in that situation, and, and where do you go with that?
2: There's a lot of directions one could go with advice in the situation, and I'll restate it. You got a boss, and you don't feel like cultivating a great relationship with this individual. What do you do? The first thing I'm going to recommend here is getting some perspective. It's easy to say if you don't want to cultivate a good relationship with somebody, it's time to start looking to change your situation. What I want to say first, though, is remember this, things change. That person is your boss now, but that person may not be your boss next week or next month. Despite the fact that you can't even imagine how that situation might change. It does anyway. And so the first thing you should do is ask yourself, do I really need to bolt out of this relationship or can I hang in there? And you always have a calculation to make. What am I getting out of being in this position in this company? And is what I'm getting worth the cost? Sometimes you can view these things as the. this is the price I have to pay. I have to, this person has to be my boss and I have to suffer through this and and maybe you're a young intern and you're getting great experience and great exposure and your boss is a jerk. It may be worth putting up with that as and you view it as part of the cost because you can always look around. But I can tell you, I have made the mistake in my career of getting out too soon and then two months later. The boss that was giving me all the heartburn is gone for some reason. And had I stayed, that problem would have disappeared on its own. So that's advice I think you don't hear very often, which is why I wanted to focus there first.
3: I think one of the things that I think about, too, is there's there's two different types um, of bosses. Sometimes, you know, Kim, what you were talking about, sometimes maybe they're, they're more in the I feel like this is a bad person category, and that can be really hard to overcome. Sometimes it's just a person that wasn't cut out to be in management, but they got promoted into into that role regardless, the whole Peter Principle concept. And, you know, what I think about more for the latter is, one of the things that you can do to really forge a more positive experience is to get them, get to know them more as a person. I really believe that all people are dealing with things that a lot of people don't know about. There's, there can be issues going on at home with spouses, with children. And, you know, if you're not dealing with somebody who you really struggle with their ethics, they're just not that great of a boss. Getting to know them personally and forging a connection over movies, books, books, Collecting stamps, whatever it is, can really go a long way to help. Yeah, I think you're right. Great advice.
1: We are going to be back with more insight from Larry and Libby and Mark, and um, we appreciate you being on with us this afternoon. We don't say that um, nearly enough, but we appreciate your time listening in, and we hope that we are giving you great advice for managing to make a difference in your own workplace culture. So we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to address some questions from earlier episodes and wrap today's episode up.
5: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network at talentplus.com. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values.
1: Back to Managing to Make a Difference with Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. I stumbled over there because Kim's not joining us today. So um, she is the co-author of the book Managing to Make a Difference. And, and
2: we do have a life-size cardboard cutout of her <laughs> right here. So she's She's certainly
1: with us in spirit. <laughs> she certainly is. But um, we do have guests Libby Farman and Mark Bertie here joining us as well. And so we've covered a lot of ground in terms of cultivating a good relationship with your boss. But what have we missed? What What do you guys, what's at the top of your mind that we haven't covered yet, but that a little golden nugget that our audience can
2: take away? Well, one of the things is to show appreciation to your boss. We often think of recognition and appreciation as being top down in a hierarchy and your boss is a human being. And I hope that there are occasions when your boss has done something that has benefited you or benefited the company, taught you something, supported you in some way. And you, you should be very comfortable giving your boss some recognition and appreciation for that. Don't make the assumption that your boss doesn't need it. So that's one thing I'd like to add.
4: I'd like to add something else, and it's about empathy. Uh, It's universal that many bosses are promoted because of their excellence and expertise. So they're thrown into this leadership position without the talent to lead. And I think we have to be empathetic. If you're a team member on a team and you recognize that, Is it better to help them or work against them? I think if we look at that logically, it's gonna be we work to help them, help them through those uh, tough moments because they might be treading water with one hand.
3: One of the things that I think about is kind of with regard to forging that relationship is just being there for your boss. You know, Larry, you just mentioned about how your boss is a person too and being there to support your boss to make your boss look good is really important. When you're a leader of people, the success of your team is really important. And so part of your your role is to make your boss look good and to do what you can to support them and be there for them in their own career.
1: That's a great thought.
3: So every week we ask
1: for you to submit your questions and we did have some questions submitted on an earlier podcast that we had um, really reflecting on -on one-on-one meetings. So I'd like to go ahead and address a couple of
2: those. This is my favorite part of these podcasts. I love to converse about questions that are genuinely on the mind of some listener.
1: Great. So we're going to get right to it. One of them is, are one-on-one meetings important for managers of startup companies, being that employees' goals and growth perhaps are not truly identified yet?
2: That's a terrific question. And, and for, for Libby and Mark, who uh, obviously weren't here for uh, previous uh, broadcasts, we did do one entire segment on the importance of one-on-one meetings and the power of one-on-one meetings. So the question here, again, just to summarize it, is how important is this for startups? So I'll let I'll let the two of you start with the answer to that. With your perspective,
4: well, I'd say is it important? Yes, yes, and yes. And startup maybe more than any other organization. Uh, but uh, you know, we travel around, we visit many clients. And it's probably no surprise to the audience. A lot of leaders are in meetings all day long, group meetings. Uh, But the leader that makes time to build the one-on-one relationship and understanding of their team members and vice versa, uh, it's powerful. Because it's more likely each of those individuals will have each other's back because there's a greater level of understanding.
3: would agree. If you're in a new company, if you're a new leader, an experienced leader, never, ever, ever underestimate the power of a one-on-one meeting with somebody else to get to know them, to understand their hopes and dreams, to invest in them. That goes a long way. Um, And when you're in a startup, it's tough. You're working a lot of hours. There's not a lot of structure. Um, It can often feel very unpredictable. And so really taking the time in a startup to carve out some quiet and calm to just invest one-on-one. I think it's critical.
2: So I would challenge the assumption that the the listener sent in with the question, which is that the, the person's goals aren't clearly established just because it's a startup. The person is there for a reason. And if you're the leader, you can easily find out what that reason is. And if you, if you follow what we've been doing on these broadcasts and what we talk about in the book, you will have done the exercise, focus on you with this individual, and that will give you a great starting place. But there is, there is absolutely no excuse for not prioritizing one-on-one meetings, even if you're in a startup.
1: So the second question is really intriguing as well, and it starts with a statement that some managers take the time out to have one-on-ones and discuss these thought-engaging questions, which is great, but the answers to the questions without action are pointless. So their question then becomes when the request can be taken, but then um, based on the manager's unwillingness to act on it, what would the next step for the employees be?
2: That That's a that's a great question and and I'm going to jump in with an initial thought which is if you're the manager and you receive a request from somebody in a one-on-one meeting there are times when you just can't fulfill that request I've had numerous requests as a manager just don't forget the request just make sure somebody knows you know what, I haven't forgotten about that. I, 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 I want to do it. They need to know that you want to do it and that you've tried your best to do it. And if you can't do it for some reason, tell them you haven't forgotten about it because you never know. Next week, your situation may change and you may be able to make some progress, but you remind them periodically, I haven't forgotten about that. I, I know I haven't done it yet, but I, I have it in mind. And And so what can the employee do? The employee can go to the manager and say, you know, last week we had a one-on-one and I I, I expressed the need to you and I'm just wondering, uh, is it possible for me to get that need met? Where where are we? And you can hold your manager accountable. And, and frankly, just because you have a need, I think people are all smart enough to know. No manager can magically wave a wand and fulfill every need every particular associate has. And the associates know that. So it's okay to follow up if you're the employee and say, is it possible or is it not possible? If it's a very, very important life need and you're not going to get it met, you're entitled to know that.
4: Well, I was thinking as Larry was talking. I think it. Oh, sorry,
0: that's not Libby, but we're talking. Okay. You go first,
2: Libby. You, you just contracted a goal Yes.
3: Um, no, I think I think that's great, and you know I would agree with with Larry, and in fact, in our organization, I feel that the principles that he just spoke about with really responding and getting back to people. he I've really seen him live those out. As far as if you're an employee, you gotta be your own best advocate sometimes. And it can be uncomfortable, but you have to be able to express your needs when they are and are not being met. And you have to be able to just have that frank conversation um, with your manager and to what Larry said, hold them accountable too. You haven't gotten back to me, what's the status? You know, Either way is fine, but not knowing is a really bad feeling. So advocate for yourself.
4: Mark that was the thought I was thinking in the word transparency mm-hmm. kind of uh, piggybacks on that that uh, if the if the manager cannot fulfill a need I think it's incumbent upon him or her to let the individual know and why uh, if they're playing a game because they're conflict avoidant eventually it's gonna pop its ugly head up in a different form
1: Yeah, absolutely um ladies and gentlemen it has been a great pleasure today boy it has um, it's been really great for me to just observe once again like what great consultants we have. So Libby Farman, our Chief Consulting Officer, Mark Birchie, our Senior Leadership Consultant. Thank you for joining us today. Larry, as always, it's always a pleasure today. Thank you all for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference today. Just a reminder, our website is com. That's where you can go to purchase books um, to book Larry and Kim for, as speakers to see some author bio pages and just get some extra resources as well as, of the things that we, re, um, we share about on our podcast.
2: And we hope you have some questions, something you're wondering about, a point you'd like to make. Please click on the website and email us your questions. As I say, it's my favorite part of any segment is to discuss questions that listeners have on their minds. So ask us the tough ones. Maybe we don't have good answers, but we really enjoy the conversation.
1: Yeah, have a great day.
5: Thank you for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference with Talent Plus's Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. We hope these real-life management examples will help you manage teams across the globe Just a reminder, this series airs on Voice America, the business channel, each Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. We hope you'll tune in next week for Managing to Make a Difference. Until then, put these practices into place and manage to make a difference.